It is estimated Americans will spend over $15 billion on unwanted gifts throughout the Christmas season. Question is, what do people do with those unwanted gifts? At the top of the list of things that people don't want, though, you'll see on the screen clothing, household items, cosmetics, perfume, and food. So what do people do with those gifts? 6% return the gift. 12% they give it away. 13% say they throw it away. 30% hide it, put it in their closet. And 31% they keep it. Interesting. We're going to look at uh, some things about true gifts that we can give this time of year. Before that, though, what do you think the number one Christmas movie of all time is? I'll give you the top uh, six here. At the top of the list, very popular Depending on the version, they're all popular, but A Christmas Carol, the 1951 version, makes the top of the list, and the Muppets version of A Christmas Carol also makes the top. That's followed by A Miracle on 34th Street, then Home Alone, after that White Christmas, and then A Christmas Story. Number one, though, is It's a Wonderful Life. If you haven't seen the movie A Wonderful Life, it follows a man named George Bailey, and he lived in a small town. He always wanted to leave that town, but different things always came up that stopped him. He ended up getting married, taking over the family business. Some people did some crooked things, made it look like he did it. So suddenly now he's facing bankruptcy, perhaps prison for things he didn't do, worried about his family, then facing shame and poverty. Christmas Eve arrives. He's depressed. He's drunk. He begins to believe the world would be better off without him. And then an angel shows up and it shows George Bailey what life would have been like if he had never been born. Original title, though, of the movie, A Wonderful Life, is from a book called The Greatest Gift. So we're going to look again at some things here, continuing our study of what John the Baptist said about the, the gift that is something eternal. Luke chapter 3, you remember we looked at uh, starting verse 4, says, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John the Baptist here getting ready to announce the ministry of Christ, getting ready to begin. That word he says is prepare the way for the Lord. Again, as we looked at last week, that is a literal picture being painted here by John the Baptist of physical construction that would be done to prepare roads to make them fit for a king to travel. So we saw last week he talked about make crooked roads straight. Literally, they would straighten out roads for the king. In a spiritual sense, it meant what's crooked in the world gets made straight by Messiah crooked things that keep us separated from God, sin or self, selfishness, whatever it may be. There are other people there listening to John the Baptist besides believers, and they are asking John the Baptist, you know, how do we follow what you are saying? And there were some that were criminal. He said, stop stealing. There were others that were abusive soldiers. He said, stop behaving like you do and treating people like you have been. There's religious people that are putting a lot of rules on people. He tells them, seek the true heart of God and stop putting all these things on people's shoulders to bear. And again, they then say to him, and his answer for them, for us, is Luke chapter 3, 8. How do you know if you are then following the picture he's painting to prepare the way for Messiah? In Luke 3, 8, he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Basically, he says, check the fruit of your life. Repentance means a change of mind. He says, the fruit in your life, 
It should be in alignment with the thinking of Christ. And you can look at your fruit. I can look at mine and say, is this fruit what Jesus would produce in my life? If it's not, then you and I know we're off course. We know that we are on that crooked road, and he will make that straight if we surrender to him. John Regeer, as we talked about before, a great prayer to begin on a daily basis to just help make that crooked road straight in your life and other people's lives is to begin to pray, God, I want to help people with the ability that I have. Allow him then to open up doors for that to take place. So notice what John the Baptist says next. He said, straighten the crooked roads, and then he continues. He says, every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill made low. Now, if there was a king, they would fill a valley up to make that road smooth. If there was a a mountain too high, they might remove some of that mound to make it easier for the king to travel over. Spiritually, what's he painting here? We all understand valleys. We know what it's like to be in a valley in life. And every valley is going to be filled in. You know, Christ, he's going to meet us in the low places in life and help elevate us out of that, you know, valley itself. If there's a mountain, those represent obstacles and they stand in the way of us following as we should the call that he has for our life. Here's a beautiful picture that one of the just a favorite one for sharing around Christmas time. You go back to 1864, Petersburg, Virginia. On one side of a battlefield is Major General Pickett's and the Confederate Army. Other side of the battlefield, Ulysses S. Grant and the Union Army. And it's getting dark, and suddenly the Confederate Army starts to light bonfires. And they start lighting them across these hills, and it travels, just keeps growing. And General Grant sends men to find out, you know, why are they lighting these bonfires? Now, General Grant and Major Pickett, they had been friends before the war, and we all know this tremendous losses on both sides during the war. And he sees all these fires light, sends couriers across, what's going on. They come back and they say, General Pickett received news. His wife had a son. And General Grant says, you know, that is indeed something to celebrate. So the Union side started to light bonfires on their hills, and these fires were lighting, going down the hill to the next hill for miles. For one night, at least, fighting stopped, and there was peace because one child was born. Again, a beautiful picture of what we recognize, celebrate Christ born into the world, and Paul says now, though, He is the one who lives in you, the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Emmanuel, God with us, within us, God for us. Interesting, you see the man on the screen, that's Steve McLaren. Probably most don't know him. I just had read an article Victor Victor Yap had wrote. This uh, takes place now around Christmas every year because of what this man did. Steve McLaren was a, a soccer manager in England. 2007, his team needed a a point to win, and what happened, he put the wrong players on the field. Everybody knew it, but he went ahead with his decision, and then they lost this big game in 2007. Well, as they lost another point, it starts to, to rain and sleet, and there's the stadium filled with people, there's the teams on the field, 
And Steve McLaren pulls out a large umbrella and opens it up because he wants to, to be out of the rain. And people were tremendously upset about this the next day he was fired. And why was that? Because sheltering yourself from the rain while others are out there braving the rain, it wasn't leadership, it was weakness. And he cared about his own comfort and not the team that he was supposed to be leading. So what happens is now every year at Christmas, Steve McLaren receives numerous umbrellas in the mail. And he's the most unpopular coach there in England, receiving gifts every year to remind him of something he did that he should not have done. So we're going to see some things about, again, how do we live our life? As Alistair Begg says, our witness, good or bad, is the overflow of our life. And part of the call for us is to say, you know what, when I see somebody in a valley, I can help show them the way out of that, elevate them. I see somebody with a mountain in their life, I can show them how that obstacle can be removed by God's grace Trusting Emmanuel, God with us, for us, within us. Here's a beautiful picture of seeing things from an impossible situation and seeing that impact, though, of what takes place when Christ enters into just tremendous toxic situations. This is a a lady here named Alexandra. She shared at a John Regeer seminar. She was told when she was very young, her mother told her she never wanted children, She got married to the father to get out of her own household. She never planned to have children. When Alexandria was born, she was bitter, and she told her all her life she was worthless. She was unwanted. Alexandria carried that into being an adult, and she shared, I wish my story was a story of reconciliation, but it is not. I think many can identify with what she's going to share here. I love what she states next, and the reason it's not a story of reconciliation She would go on to say, you know, her children would tell her, you're my competition in life. If she achieved anything, the mother would say, what, you think you're better than me? Just abusive and critical, hateful to the end. And when the mother died, there was the reading of the will. And Alexandria's mother put in the will a line that specifically stated, I leave absolutely nothing to my daughter, Alexandria. So again, she said, I wish my story was a story of reconciliation. It is not, but she shares, but my story is a story of redemption. Why? Because every valley shall be filled. The low places in life, Christ meets us in that place and he elevates us out of that. In the mountains, the obstacles that stand in the way of us receiving that grace, he removes those as well. And then as a part of his kingdom, we're to help fill valleys up in other people's lives and show them how to overcome the mountains for themselves. We'll come back to Alexandria's story in a moment, how she says that valley was filled. Let's take just a few moments and see something David says. I think a lot of people could identify with what he shares in Psalm 55, just verse 6 to 8. He says, oh, that I had wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I'm sure everybody has felt that at times. And when you get into the chaos of the holidays, I'm sure many people would say, I wish that I had wings of a dove, I'd fly away and be at rest. Now, something's happened to David where he's been betrayed. It might have been by his son who eventually tried to kill him to take the throne. might have been by one of his close friends who also betrayed him to take the throne. We're not sure, but it's during one of these times of betrayal, he's now surrounded by armies, and he writes, Oh, that I had wings of a dove, I'd fly away and be at rest. He continues and says, I'd flee far away and stay in the desert. 
David wants to get away from this emotional pain, this betrayal. And then he says this, I would go to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Well, where is David's place of shelter? Psalm 36, 7, for instance, says, I take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57, 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. I take refuge in you. I take refuge in the shadow of your wings. In Psalm 61, 4, I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. We know that David spent a lot of time, you know, he said he was a shepherd that fought lions, fought bears, very familiar with nature. And what's he writing here? The shadow of your wings. If you've ever watched a chicken, for instance, when danger is there, the chicks will run and she will embrace them under her wings and they are safe. If there's a fire, the mother will even bring the chickens under her wings to protect them from the smoke and she will then even give her life. And when they come to to clear out the fire, they'll find that the mother's died, but the chicks, they are safe because she pulled them under her wings. So what is David saying? He's watched that happen. And he said, Father, I, I just want to take refuge in the shadow of your wings. I know that in that place, in you, there is safety. There is unconditional love. There is that you are calling me by name. So go back to Alexandria. She has that pain of her mother. She's read that will. And here's what she says, though. I am free from that harm. How did she get free? She says, in prayer, I brought Jesus into that pain, into my past. I bring Jesus into my life daily. Notice the contrast from one side to the opposite. I started out life despised, rejected, disrespected, humiliated, and ultimately betrayed. Now I'm living my life accepted, loved, approved, wanted, needed, cared for, regarded, respected, and fully capable of loving deeply and freely. Tremendous. Tremendous promises. Again, to stop and say, you know, that is the promise there the valley shall be filled. Hills should be made low. Whatever he does to reach us, he'll move heaven and earth. I love this statement here by Tony Robbins, who shared his faith often in Christ. His son, Jarek, was in Uganda, contracted malaria. And listen to what he says here, not just for an illness, but just for daily life. Tremendous wisdom here. A jerk in Uganda had malaria. He called his father. Do I take medication they want to offer me? I'm in a foreign country. I don't know. Or should I just trust my body's going to recover and fight this? Here's Tony Robbins. I love this. He said this. He said, you'll be fine. Do whatever you believe with 100% certainty. That is what will heal you. If you believe your mind will heal you, your mind will heal you. If you believe the medicine will heal you, take it, and the medicine will heal you. Whichever you believe, do it now and do it with certainty. As Tony Robbins continues, I believe God only responds to absolute faith, another word for absolute certainty. 
As you and I enter into daily life and you see the valleys or the mountains or the crooked roads, we have to say, or if we don't have it, begin to pray that it would be something God places into our life where we stop and say, you know, I believe in absolute certainty, Emmanuel, God with me. I believe in absolute certainty in the Christ unconditional love, forgiveness. I believe in absolute certainty he will never leave me nor forsake me. I believe in absolute certainty no matter how low the valley is, I can take shelter in the shadow of his wings and there I am safe and there is rest. Notice what John the Baptist says to the people there gathered around after he makes these statements about the crooked be made straight, the valley shall be filled. Luke 3, 6, he says, in all flesh, shall see the salvation of God. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the promise that Emmanuel, God with us, we can all look around and say, you know, Christmas, there's the commercialism, all these things. But the reality is, what's the message that people still see, know, and hear? All flesh shall see the salvation of God because Jesus is the life and then the light and he's entered into the world and now... People see that. Not everybody believes it. Not everybody receives it. But he is there, one child, born to be king, now entering into our daily life. John Jay writes about It's a Wonderful Life, and he says, It's a Wonderful Life has earned its legion of followers because it so effectively touches one basic truth of life. Each of us, no matter how apparently insignificant, has the opportunity to make a difference. You can help somebody out of the valley. You can help somebody remove the mountains. You can help somebody find the crooked road made straight. You and I can do that by sharing that promise, enter into the shadow of his wings. Each of us, no matter how insignificant, can make a difference. In the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey sees life as if he had never lived. And he sees people's lives very differently, many of them tragic. For instance, in real life, he had saved his brother when his brother was eight years old and his brother almost drowned. And what happened is his brother grew up, became a, a war hero, saving hundreds of lives. And had George Bailey not been born, then his brother would not have been rescued that day he almost drowned, continuing to see stories where he touched somebody's life years before, seemingly insignificant way, not realizing everything that we do for Christ produces fruit. So let me give you a fascinating example as, as we close here today of something small and how big the outcome was from somebody having absolute certainty that something big could come out of something seemingly so insignificant. This is Kyle McDonald. He didn't have money, but he wanted a house. All that he had was a red paper clip. He would go on to write a, a book about this as well. But what took place is he took the red paper clip, put it online, and said, I'd like to trade this. Before the end of the day, a couple swapped him a pen shaped like a fish. He then put that pen online, traded that for a ceramic doorknob, traded the doorknob for a camping stove, which he traded for a generator. Then a man gave him a party package for the generator, which was made up of neon signs. 
He put those online and somebody with a snowmobile said, I will trade for that. At this point, he had already moved from a paperclip to a snowmobile, so he got invited on a news program. From that program, he was offered an all-expense-paid trip to Canada. He offered that paid trip if somebody give him an offer in return. Somebody said, I'll trade you my van. He found some musicians that needed a van, and they said, you know what? You give us the van, we'll put you in contact with somebody that will give you a recording contract. Now, Kyle didn't want to make music, but now he had a recording contract, found a musician that wanted it, said, I'll give you free rent for a year in Phoenix, Arizona. He put that online and somebody said, I will give you a meeting with Alice Cooper if you give me that place in Phoenix. Alice Cooper, a famous musician. Somebody else said, I want to meet Alice Cooper. And Kyle said, what would you give me if I give that meeting to you? They said, I'll give you a rare snow globe. What he found out is that rare snow globe was just the very thing that a famous actor needed for his complete collection. And that actor said, I'll give you a movie role if you'll give me that snow globe. And then he said, who will take the movie role and give me an offer? And a man said, I'll give you my house if I can have that movie role. And that's how Kyle McDonald moved from a red paperclip into a house. Again, incredible things happen when we step out in faith and say, there is one who is Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, the mystery now Christ in you, the hope of glory. He raises up the valleys, he lowers the mountains, he straightens the crooked roads, he welcomes us to enter into the promise, there's shelter in the shadow of his wings, no matter what situation we may be facing. Love this statement here, Kirby Caldwell said it well, there are two great moments in a person's life, the moment you were born and the moment you realize why you were born. You and I were born for that relationship with Christ and in him then he calls us help make straight crooked roads for somebody else. Produce fruit that is in keeping with his calling in our life. And understand that your greatest gift, my greatest gift is our life giving it in service to other people that Christ might be glorified in all things.